Once I came to really understand the mechanics of three-act structure, my life got a great deal easier. It doesn't tell you how to write your book, but it helps you understand why things aren't working or what kind of beat needs to come next. Marcus Seiki. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. We are starting our third and final pillar today of storytelling, and that is the plot. This one has the most variety to it, but we are going to be sticking mostly with the three-act structure. We've talked before about different plot structures. You can find the recording of our writing retreat discussion about the different plot structures. But for this series, we want to use the most common and the simplest one, the three-act structure, to help you figure out that basis of plot. If you aren't using that three-act structure, whenever we say act one, act two, act three, just be thinking about thirds of the story. Yes, in three-act structure, most of it is the second act. But when we are talking about how you do story and how you communicate certain things and when in your plot you communicate certain things, regardless of the structure that you're using for your story, you can consider when we say act one, the first third of your book. We will also be talking about the story arc, the plot, in two different ways, the internal and the external. The internal is generally the character's personal progression, the lie they believe about themselves that they have to overcome, and then the external is the bad guy that they're fighting or whatever external challenge that they are facing. If you don't have a villain specifically, then this problem of them being stuck in another world or whatever is that external plot. And you will weight these two differently depending on the kind of story that you're writing. So if you're writing a modern romance, your main plot is likely going to be that internal struggle. They're coming to face personal traumas and overcoming all of that. While if you're writing an epic fantasy with a lot of political drama, your fight is mostly going to be focused on the external fight, not so much the internal one. I do believe that it's important to have both of these sides at least make an appearance in your story. I would say don't weight it any more than 80% on one and 20% in the other. If you do 90-10, it starts to feel convenient. Like, oh yeah, and uh, stuff is happening outside them as well. If I don't see the character's progression and I don't see how their arc goes, I don't necessarily care about the political drama. I care about the political drama because I care about the characters and they care about it. Today, we are talking about a combination of both, and that is the stuff that happens before Act 1 begins. We'll be bouncing back and forth this month in the internal-external, but there are a couple of moments that there are key things that happen, and they get their own episode. This episode is one of those, and that is everything before Act 1. This can be on the page in something such as a prologue, or it can be, most likely, off the page. First up, what is the history? What are the major events in the world that everybody knows about? 
We've spent a fair amount of time in our world building talking about world history, but understanding when to input that into your story is very important. And for the most part, it belongs before your plot begins. As readers, we only really care about the world history if it's relevant to the future of the story. So that is your litmus test. Do I include it or not? Is it relevant to the story and what happens next? Another key part of the previous to act one that should have an influence on how you write your story throughout the story is that old world order. Understand how the world worked before the hero came and changed it. This could be that political structure from that fantasy. It could be the empire. How is the empire influencing the world before the Republic finally takes over again? But as the author, you need to understand that old world order, how it functions, the role your character plays in the function of that world order. Are they part of the system? Are they outside that system and actively fighting against it already? Also understand what your villain is up to. Is he ascending in power within the palace? Is he just about to get out of jail so he can go hunt down the cop who had arrested him? What is the villain up to? And is the inciting incident, which is something we'll talk about next episode, is that the end game of the villain? Or is that the first step to kick off this campaign? What is the villain up to? What are his goals? And then how does that reflect upon the world? Is everything okay because he's in jail and he happens to break out? Or is he on the rise and nobody knows how to stop him? You also need to look at the good guy's world, your main character, the protagonist. What is their life like, everyday life, before they get thrown into that inciting incident and the turmoil? Are they a simple farmer working on a moisture farm or an actual farm before they find a dragon egg or whatever the example is? What is their life like? You need to understand that and it usually needs to play a small part in the story before that inciting incident, before the events of Act 1 begin. You don't necessarily have to write it, but understanding this old world order helps you determine how the world changes because of the hero's actions throughout your story. Now, not all of this will actually be established on the page. There is a moment, a possibility, that you can use a prologue to establish some of the old world order systems, to establish the history of the world. So we want to take a moment to talk about the prologue. When you actually choose to write down all of the stuff we've talked about so far. Now, we have done an episode on prologues, dream sequences, and flashbacks. All three of those in 10 minutes isn't quite enough time, so we're doing another half episode on prologues today. Prologues can be used in any story, but you will see them most frequently in fantasy and sci-fi. I have a friend who reads a lot of the more literature where the crawdads sing that kind of story, and I don't. So I asked her straight up, can you name any books with prologues? And the first, like, four that she pulled up were actually prefaces, not prologues. So do want to say there is a difference, mostly in how the author is addressing the audience. But the prologue is something that happens within your world, 
the events of the story that more often than not don't include the main character. You can format a prologue in really any way you want. It doesn't have to be written like a narrative part of the story. It can be a letter, a newspaper article, a diary entry, any sort of thing that can separate it from the main story to help introduce the people to key happenings that helped to create the world that we're going to see the main character in. And that's a key part that we're going to see the main character in because the prologue shouldn't usually include your main character. One of the popular and more successful ways to do a prologue is to start at the end to go, though he's been dead 20 years now, I need to tell you his story. If you are talking about actual scenes, actual events in your story, hopefully the prologue should center on the bad guy and what he's been up to, not necessarily the good guy. I will say, though, one of my favorite uses of a prologue is the Stormlight Archive series. Shocker. I know, surprising. But it's because in every single book, the prologue is the same scene from a different person's perspective. That's cool. So it's a very Rashomon prologue throughout this series. One of my favorite prologues is Galadriel's prologue at the beginning of the film version of Lord of the Rings. Galadriel, you notice, is not talking about Frodo. She's talking about the ring. She's talking about the real villain, the world being in peril because of these events. A lot of the purpose of your prologue is to set a mood and a tone for the rest of your novel. Because as an author, it's your job to understand what's part of the story, what should be shared, and what isn't. Well, in this year, this happened. No. It's very mood setting with a few key details. There is a writing meme out there about prologues, and it essentially says, none of that is important to the story, but it's important to me that you know this information. This is generally an indicator that, especially if your word count is heavy anyway, you might consider leaving that on the website and taking it out of your novel itself. So that's the litmus test that you can use. If it is important to the story itself, if that information is something we need in order to understand how the rest of the events unfold, then yes, absolutely include it in your prologue. And if you're wondering if it's a prologue or chapter one, generally the litmus test there is if your hero makes an appearance. Because Frodo doesn't really make an appearance until chapter one. Galadriel's prologue isn't really about Frodo at all. If it were part of his story, then it would be a chapter one. We would have actually seen the scenes unfold instead of Galadriel waxing poetic about the ring. In the next episode, we are going to start getting into the actual act one, what is happening in that external plot. Before we get there, really think about this episode, though. Think about what you need to include if you need to have a prologue what sort of history of your world that you need to establish, whether it is for your readers or just for yourself, and then write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. <laughs>